0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to one more Cup of Joe podcast, uh, the last one for this week on Friday, the 5th of March. Again, wherever you are, I uh, wish you God's grace and goodness uh, and life. Uh, For those new to the podcast, hello and welcome. My name is Joe Zenk. I'm a lay Catholic minister, what's called a pastoral leader in the Diocese of Green Bay. Uh, I help serve at, uh, and lead three rural Catholic parishes in Kiel, New Holstein, and St. Anna in, uh, in the Diocese of Green Bay. And uh, every Monday through Friday, I read the gospel or reading uh, from the day and just make a few comments on it. And so today we're going to read the gospel. Boy, I went back and forth between the gospel today and the first reading because the first reading is the story of Joseph from Genesis. And that is one of my favorite stories. But alas, we're going with God's word in the gospel. Hard to, to you know, uh, get better than what Jesus is talking about. So we are going to uh, be in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 21. And we're going Matthew 21 verses 33 to 43, 45 to 46. So quite a lengthy reading today. Let's dive right on in, shall we? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants, who will give him the produce at the proper times." Jesus said to them, did you never read in scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? By the Lord has this been done, it is, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew that he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, a wonderful gospel, and and a a parable, of course, with which you and I are familiar, and just to kind of set up the the background, Jesus, of course, is speaking to the chief priests and the elders of the people. It's chapter 21. So he's in Jerusalem uh, and he's getting close to his passion and death and resurrection. Uh, A lot of these Lenten readings are dealing with that because, of course, he's pointing to Jerusalem, which is his place of of death and resurrection. And again, the strength of Jesus here, my friends, he doesn't pull punches. He's honest with them. And the, and the Pharisees and the chief priests, they recognize that in him, that he is speaking of them. And, and correctly, they, uh, they name that. So how is he speaking of them? Because uh, in this parable, the, the understanding, the general understanding is the landowner, of course, is God. The vineyard is Israel. Uh, the, uh, the tenants that he leases it to are the leaders of Israel. And the servants that he sends to, to get the produce, uh, the, the uh, fruits of the, the work of the people in helping build the kingdom of God and, and rend its work, uh, are the prophets. And the prophets are killed and stoned and, uh, and, and castigated and, and um, you know, basically made pariahs. And, uh, and then ultimately, of course, he sends the son, which, of course, is Jesus. And they said, uh, this is the one. Let's kill him. We get the inheritance. What's going to happen? He'll get rid of those wretched men. I mean, the, he invites the, the Pharisees right into that uh, parable. And they're naming themselves, which they know and they can't stand. Um, and he will lease it out to new tenants. Who's those new, Who are those new tenants? Well, the 12 apostles, the, the, the new church that he is setting up uh, through Peter and the, and the apostles and the disciples and ultimately to us. That's that's the, the general reading here. Want to talk though about two things. Um, and and the first is this. Uh, the in in this gospel here, you know, God may come across as boy, he's he's going to put those wretched men to a wretched death, and and uh, and again can come across as uh, as an angry God. But but look before that. Three separate times, God sends His servants. You know, um, He sent His servants. It says, and I don't know what verse it is uh, where I'm reading doesn't say it, but He sent His servants to the tenants to to obtain His produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and the third they stoned. Again, He sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, He sent His Son. Three different times, my friends. You send someone to say, listen, okay, even though you're being cruel to me, and even though you're being cruel to those people I'm sending in my name, even though you are outright rejecting and 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 doing violence upon me and upon that world which I am desirous to create, I'm still willing to give more chances and more chances. But ultimately, there's an end to those chances, right? It's, it's like when Jesus says in... Um, Oh, gosh, I want to say it's, it's, well, it might be, it's Matthew or Luke. It's, it's one of the two. Forgive me. I didn't do the research. But that the ax lies at the foot of the tree. You know, it's John the Baptist is saying that. But um, that there is a, a, a time when if the tree doesn't produce, we do everything we can. We're going to hoe around it. We're going to cultivate it. We're going to water it. We're going to give it good soil, all those things. But if it doesn't, there is an end point. Jesus even tells a parable to that. Um, but but my focus here, my friends, is not on that endpoint of God. Although it's good for us to know that whether that endpoint is our own death, which awaits us, or whether that endpoint is is some other time when um, not that God will um, put us to a wretched death or, or something like that, but that something that we take for granted in our world ends. And uh, and no longer that blessing which we have taken for granted is no longer there, but again I, and that's not my focus. My focus is on God's incredible goodness. You know, it's not just three times He's patient with us. He's patient with us time and time and time again. And I guess my first ponderance for you is: Have you experienced that? I mean, I know you've you've been living under that umbrella of God's patience. So have I. But have you have you noted it? And if you thank God for that and say, God, you are incredible uh, in your patience with me, in the times that I have castigated and expelled or um mocked those people that you sent to me, maybe not to claim produce, but maybe simply to be kind and uh and to establish a relationship or a friendship or to make our world better in ways that we weren't ready to see yet. Because remember, we have those blinders on that I talked about yesterday. But we weren't ready to see those, and so we we put them off to the fringe of our lives and belittled them or didn't pay attention to them. But yet God is patient. He's patient, and he sends more and more. That's how good our God is, my friends. That's how good our God is, and this parable shows that. Uh, And um, good for us to ponder uh, today, again, and and pray that our eyes can be opened uh, to those servants that he continues to say. You know, we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which, of course, is Christ, the reference. But it's also, blessed is he or she, blessed are all those who come in the name of the Lord Uh, into our daily lives today yet uh, to invite us to walk further and further, closer and closer with God along that path. The second second thing to ponder, and the last thing uh, I'll talk about, but I I love it and I want to spend a little time on it, is this. It's that idea that the patterns of God, brothers and sisters, are built into these parables, are built into the life and teachings, uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, for instance. The pattern of God is incarnation is, you know, Christmas, we don't just celebrate it as something that happened 2000 years ago. And I know you know that, but that heaven and earth come together in the person of Jesus Christ, but that heaven and earth come together continually in you and I, not that we are God's capital G, but, but the spirit resides within us. We know that. And, and we are yet created of the earth and we are that residing spot where heaven and earth collide within us. And we celebrate God's movement within that. We celebrate God's movement within creation, uh, the created. Yet God doesn't stay absent from that. That that incarnation happens within within this point. That God continues to be present within His church, the you know which is human and and. Uh, of, of God. It's human and spiritual all at the same time. It's that incarnation where both are present, the word of God, which was written by humans, uh, and the spirit of God. And, and it is that incarnate presence. That is one of the patterns of God, heaven and earth colliding in, into one reality. And on that ultimate reality being Jesus Christ that we honor. Another pattern is resurrection that we see, that resurrection is the end goal of everything, that life is stronger than death. And we see it all the time. We see it in the springtime that is beginning to unfold itself after a long winter, in in the life that, that is... Is brimming beneath the snow and beneath the, the, the soil right now that we can't even see, but it is ready to come up. The life that that is within the trees that are barren, but will be uh, with with bud within six weeks from now. Um, all of this, you know, that that resurrection, that that death is not the end, but resurrection is. that is the pattern of God. we see it within all of creation. we see it in 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 caterpillars and we see it in within um, uh, you know the the uh, water beetles that play on the on the on the lakes and all these things. That is the pattern. Well, we see another pattern today and that is. That wonderful line in scripture, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Brothers and sisters, certainly that refers to Jesus. There is no doubt about that, that, that he is the one who was cast out and killed, and the stone which those builders, the Pharisees, the, the chief priests rejected, be it is is the cornerstone of all humanity of all time. He is that absolute point uh, in creation uh, where where uh, all time meets and looks and says, "He is. Uh, he is the one." But again, if it is true of Jesus, it is true of us. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Those things, brothers and sisters, in our lives, which we reject and we say, I wish that they weren't a part of us because without it, I'm, I'm looking to, to be this perfect disciple, this perfect spouse, this perfect worker, this perfect whatever it is, you fill in the blank. And, and we look within ourselves and we see these things that take away from our perfection and we reject them and we deny them and we try to ignore them in our life and pretend they're not there. But brothers and sisters, the more we can embrace them and real, and lean into them, to use that, that term, the more we can embrace them now and know that they too are part of us. They can be that place of healing. Um, I think, too, uh, that there's a wonderful quote uh, by Joseph Campbell, who, uh, Joseph Campbell, yeah, good stuff. I mean, again, he, he talked about myth. He, he, he saw the, the truth in all myth. But the quote goes this way. It is by going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure. The very cave you were afraid to enter turns out to be the source of what you are looking for. Brothers and sisters, I don't just say that because Joseph Campbell is an intelligent man. I think that is the absolute truth of what this is telling us. Those things within us from which we are are, are ashamed and we wish to, to ignore and pretend they are not there, they are the things we need to say, but this is part of me too. Because Why? because it reminds me that I am in need of God's grace. If I am perfect on what I do on my own, what need have I of God? None. None. But if I realize that I am, I carry wheat and weeds, to use that image that I often like to use, that I am filled with both, then I need to humble myself not only before God, I need to humble myself before others. It, it keeps me from becoming self-righteous about myself. It keeps me from being self-righteous with other people and thinking I am above them. My friends, there is a reason that alcoholics, and I'll just use that, alcoholics, I could use any addiction, but there is a reason that they go to the meetings and say, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic. It isn't to shame themselves. It isn't to remind or to tell people that are new at that meeting, in case you didn't know me, you know, I'm an alcoholic. It's to keep that ever before them to say, this is part of who I am too. It's not all of who I am, but I need to remember that. And in remembering that, I remember that I am in need of God's grace and that I cannot do it on my own. You know, there's that beautiful image uh, where Navajo uh, women sew their rugs, and they deliberately, deliberately in the corner leave a mistake. And people ask them, why do you do that? Because that's where the spirits come in and out. I think, brothers and sisters, there is wisdom in that. Where we fall, it is there we find treasure. What is that treasure? We find the grace of God. We find our need to fall onto the cross and say, Lord, I can't do it. I am yours and I am in need of your goodness and mercy and forgiveness and grace. And when I can partake in that treasure, which brothers and sisters it is, it is treasure. When I can partake of that treasure, then I can give that treasure to other people. My friends, the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone It can become the cornerstone in our life too, those things we reject and ignore and pretend through illusion it is not there. Maybe today, my friends, we can look and say it is there. And God, I thank you for the grace with which you love me in the midst of it. May I go and do likewise and love myself in the midst of it and as best I can love others in the midst of the pain and the struggle that they carry, too. Let's pray. Again, we just uh, bring our uh, intentions before our Blessed Mother and invite them to place them at the feet of her Son. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth sorrowful mystery. uh, Jesus dies on the cross. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, be well. Have the best weekend. And I look forward to us being back together next week and breaking open more of God's word together.